0: A strategy simplified it's japheth here and i'm really looking forward to sharing today's episode with you because this is a recording of a recent extreme consulting makeovers session it's a new segment that we're running every tuesday at 12 p.m eastern live on zoom we'd love to have you register there's a link in the show notes where you can do that but in this version of the q a session we answered a bunch of your burning questions like do firms take notes on my networking conversations? Can I negotiate my salary? What's the market right now for international hires? How do I prepare for fit interviews? And much, much more. Again, you can register to take part in this Q&A. And also, have the opportunity to have your resume workshopped in front of a live audience. Who will get expert insight from our team that's been doing this for over 15 years. Again, the link in the show notes to register for an Extreme Consulting Makeover Session. Uh, But without further ado, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you get to this Q&A session. Thank you for joining. I'm Japheth, Operations Manager here at Management Consulted, joined by a few members of the Management Consulted team who you'll get to meet in about five minutes. But I'm also uh, joined by a special guest from Bates White. Eileen Tharrington uh, joins us from Bates White, an economic consulting firm and she's gonna take a few minutes to to share about a couple of exciting opportunities uh, that are taking place at the firm. So uh, pay attention. Uh, Eileen, uh, quickly just uh, introduce yourself and would love to hear about uh, what the firm has got going on.
1: All right, well, thank you. It's nice to meet everyone virtually. I am gonna try and share my screen, so we'll see how that goes. I'm Eileen Tharrington. I'm a recruiter at Bates White. Um, I focus mostly on our undergrad recruiting, which is what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Um, So a little bit of background. We're an economic consulting firm. We're located in Washington, D.C. Um, We were founded in 1999, so almost 25 years old. Uh, We currently have around 300 employees um, and then we're also privately held. So the thing that I get asked the most, and I think most people don't know, is what is Econ Consulting? Um, A lot of people know there's tons of different types of consulting, but what is Econ (sighs) Consulting specifically? And what I like to say is we do math for lawyers, but really what that is, is we're hired by our clients, which are typically law firms, Fortune 500 companies, um, government agencies that are involved in some sort of litigation, and they hire us to offer our economic analysis and expert testimony. So for example, the DOJ might hire us to help evaluate a merger between two companies and then the effects of that merger. Um, A lot of the work that that is done um, is done by our consultants. And a lot of that is a mixture of both quantitative and qualitative skills. So a lot of our consultants do things like, analyzing large data sets, creating visuals, um, doing industry research, helping prep for client deliverables, um, et cetera. So that's the first question I get asked a lot. The second is how is econ consulting different than other types of consulting? Um, And I would say a lot of that is we do a lot of quantitative work and we're heavier on the quantitative side. So if you like things like, programming, coding large data sets, um, then it's a great job for you. And the other thing that I think is really nice is that there's not a lot of travel involved. Um, I know a lot of other types of consulting, there is a lot of travel and you're constantly on the move, but luckily um, for e com consulting that isn't really much the case. Um, so that's probably the first two questions that I get asked a lot. And then the second is what positions are open? Um, and like I said, I focus mostly with our undergrad recruiting so that's our consultant and our summer consultant position which we are currently hiring for Um, so our consultant position is geared towards seniors who are just graduating so for right now it's graduating between december 2023 and spring of 2024 Um, and our summer consultant position is our summer internship Um, it's a 10-week in-person paid internship in dc um, and it takes place between june and august each summer And those are for students graduating between December 2024 and spring of 2025. Um, And I know there are a lot of people on the call who maybe have previous work experience, and we do also have positions that you guys are eligible for, too. Um, We do have experienced recruiting. We're not currently recruiting for that right now. We've kind of wrapped up for the year, um, but we will be starting that again in late winter, early spring. And that's geared towards, you know, people who have a couple years of experience. Maybe they have a master's, um, and and want to just kind of have a shift in their career.
0: That's amazing. All right, folks, we do encourage you to visit the links here. Uh we will also send everything out uh when we share the recording of this to your inbox. So stay tuned for that. Um Eileen, really appreciate you uh stopping by, taking the time to to share about what's going on at Bates White.
1: All right. Thanks everybody. See ya. Excellent. Just so everybody on the call
2: knows as well, we have some great podcasts and also mirrored on YouTube episodes about Bates White. Uh, When we go to events, we do about 125 live events a year. The number one question we're getting this year is, is anybody actually even hiring? Like, like what is the point of doing this anyhow? Um, And so we work really hard to share with you like, hey, there are firms that want to talk to y'all. They're actually specifically coming because you are valuable to them and they want to reach you. And so um, if there's a mismatch where you think that they don't exist and they think that you don't want to work with them, then that creates an imperfection in the market. We're working to solve that. So please do reach out and, um, and also reach out to us directly if you have any questions about how Bates White fits into the broader perspective of consulting.
0: That's right. Yeah, you can find the the podcast uh, on the Strategy Simplified podcast. Just search that on Spotify, or Apple, uh, or YouTube, and, and you'll find that. Um, all right. Well, uh, Jenny Ray, can you quickly introduce yourself, and then Edward uh, would love to to get your intro as well, and then we'll uh, we'll dive right into today's session.
2: Today, we've got the battle of McKinsey and Bain on the QA. <laughs> it's going to be really fun for us to answer your questions. Uh, I'm Jenny Ray I'm the managing director, CEO, owner, whatever, you know, chief travel officer of Management Consulted. Um, I love what I do in the consulting space, and it's really an honor to be able to answer your questions. Uh, today, we're kicking off what we hope will be a permanent Tuesday series of Q&A questions. So as long as you have questions, we will be here every Tuesday at the same time to answer them. Uh, Sometimes we're going to have different firms come on and present a little bit about themselves like Bates White did. Every time they do that, you know that they're hiring now. Um, they'll tell you what they're hiring for and what they're not hiring for. It's a really a great opportunity to meet them. But usually, this is also just about you. Um, and so, I am a former Bain consultant. I worked at Bain. Um, it's you know been a little a hot minute now, um, but I worked in their Atlanta office. Um, I also have a career in uh, tech, and then my uh, last phase of my career has been buying companies. So I'm really passionate about what I do. Based in Northern California, and excited to be with you today.
3: And hi, everyone. It's a pleasure to be on the call with you today. My name is Ed Sinclair. Um, I'm based in Perth in Western Australia. Um, I'm a former McKinsey consultant. Um, I was based out of the Perth and Sydney office in Australia. Um, since I left McKinsey, I have moved to a philanthropy. It's the Mindaroo Foundation, which is the largest foundation in Australia and the Asia Pacific. Um, and I'm in their impact investing team. Um, I also get to coach through management consulted and it's something that I really love getting to do because um, I remember being at the beginning of the case interview process and being utterly terrified and hopeless Um, but the thing that I learned through the process and since getting to coach others is that it's a skill that can be taught and can be learned and um, anyone can develop that muscle and get really good at casing. The other thing that I love about learning and then getting to teach this is that um, you will come up against case interviews, not just for consulting firms. They are going to pop up in many different facets of different careers and different interviews. In fact, the interview I had to get uh, had to sit for my current role as an investor, I had to do a case study and a presentation style case study. So what I learned as a McKinsey consultant and when I was applying and going through all the interviews, I still used um, to get my next job and will likely use for the one after this. Great to be with you today and looking forward to answering any and all of your questions.
2: So, um, Javeth, are you ready to kick off the questions?
3: I'm so
0: ready for this. Let's go. All right, well, uh, we got a question here from uh, from Nicholas. Uh, And uh, Nicholas, if you're on the call, uh, thank you for submitting this question. Um, But the question is just about fit interviews. Uh, What's uh, basically how to best prepare for fit interviews? Jenny, do you wanna take that first?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, Nicholas, we have worked on this a lot over time and it actually began with a little bit of heartbreak. So when people are preparing for fit interviews, usually it's an afterthought. And what happens is that people come to us and they'll work with us for like eight or 12 or, or 20 hours on a case interview process. And really early on, we would work with people just in the case interview. And they would come to us at the end and they'd say, hey, somebody said my case was amazing, but I'm not a fit for the firm. And we realized that the fit interview um, is actually, you know, going back to my experience at Bain, the fit interview is about 50% of your final round score. So what we were doing is we were really effectively preparing people for the first round. Um, but not effectively preparing them for the offer. So, so this uh, this was like 15 years ago, right? So we fixed it uh, for a long time since then. But uh, fit interviews are there. There's kind of two cardinal rules for those that we have. Number one is that you need to prepare stories. We call them at management consultant hero stories. We recommend 15 prepared stories that you can tell within one minute inside the interview. I don't care whether you've ever written them down, but I do care that you have a bank of them to draw on, so most people do find it helpful to write them down. And the second is that you have practiced not just ideating, like writing down your stories, but you've actually practiced natural delivery of the stories. An engaging storyteller demonstrates executive presence, not just content of the stories. And so we generally will recommend that our black belts use one of their sessions to do fit preparation um, and or any buffer time, if there's like five to 10 minutes at the end of any session that they're doing these kinds of fit questions and that you start them pretty early because the better you are at fit questions early in your recruiting process, the better you are in the networking process and the better prepared you are overall for the interview. So those are kind of our two top tips. We have obviously a whole course on fit interviews that our black belts get access to. We have them walk through that, but generally it's like write the 15 stories and then make sure you can deliver them within one minute and maybe practice doing that.
0: So start prepping your, your hero stories if you haven't already. All right. I get a couple questions around, uh, salaries. So first one is, is it common to negotiate your salaries? Um, if for, for, for a consulting job.
2: Great. Um, Edward, do you want to take this one or do you want me to ja- do it?
3: Hey, I think you'll have the most recent info on this in light of consulting. So I, if I say sure. okay, I'll pass back to you.
2: Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, So no. Um, you cannot negotiate for for your salary, which is a really fascinating part of the consulting industry. And actually, if you want to peek at what the salaries are at different firms and in different places, we have the world's most comprehensive salary report that we publish every single year. Um, so you can find that, you can utilize that, and um, and you you can focus on that. There is, however, a different lever for negotiation that you can use which is your position. So for those of you that are not coming in directly from undergrad or directly from an MBA or an advanced degree if you're coming in as an experienced hire you need to make two cases to the firm. One is that you're going to be a good consultant staff analyst kind of like whatever role it is and the second one is that you should be the most senior version of that. Um, that the the work that you did prepared you for that. And so, for example, if you're paid um, at the level of a first year analyst versus a second year analyst, that's about a twenty percent bump. So you can negotiate, but it's for responsibility um, that is tied to comp, not for comp itself. So the firms are pretty good about being very transparent um, about the different. Uh, you know, roles, different levels. Um, and basically they pay a band inside there. That's, that's super, super clear. Um, but if you want more responsibility, you could get paid more for that.
3: Right. No, it hasn't, hasn't changed since I was at the firm, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh,
0: and just for everyone, I, I popped a link to the consulting salaries report in the chat. So you can uh, check that out and see what you can expect to make for about 90 different firms. So it's a great resource. Um, all right, uh, Jenny Ray, somebody's asking about let me see, what are the post MBA salary projections for MBB in the coming years?
2: Great. So uh, when we when we think about projections, so first of all, if you actually just click on the link, um, we can share, you know, kind of at a high level what a lot of the different roles are. Um, and we break these up by undergrad and then like MBA, PhD, et cetera. So let me first of all just say where we are right now. Like we're looking at a base of 190 to 192 in the U.S. of um, for, for MBB. Um, And for the big four, we're looking at, uh, you know, depending on the kind of practice that you're in um, at a base of like one. 60 to 175. Um, the 175 is going to be for the higher practices. So, like, think about it as basically like 175 to 190 at the MBA level. Um, when firms think about who they hire and why they hire those people, they think about a couple of different things when they're competing for talent. Number one, they think about what your other options are. The option shift has um, has really changed over the past couple of years. Um, for a long time, the only other reliable, competitive option was banking for making a similar amount of comp. Um, The play for consulting was you're going to get to do more interesting work and you're going to have a better pathway to the CEO chair. Um, the, The second thing that you think about is lifestyle. Consulting definitely offers a better lifestyle versus that. But then kind of onto the scene came tech. And, um, and tech has become a real competitor for talent. Now, um, right now, tech hiring has softened significantly. Banking hiring has softened significantly. And consulting hiring has not softened, but is very much on hold. Like, they just don't know what the, the next year is going to hold. So what we have never seen is a decrease in comp, but we have seen some years where comp is flat. So our best guess is that over the next couple of years, we'll see that base comp stay flat Um, for probably one to three years flat or up like, you know, with a a little bit of inflation bump, like 2% maybe, um, we probably won't see the 10 to 15% marginal gains that we've had over the past couple of years. Um, But if we see either another entrant on the scene that we haven't seen before and it probably wouldn't be tech tech, it would be like AI tech um, or something else related to it, then that could change. Uh, the game, um, or if we see more headwinds in the industry, we could see a longer period of flat times. So um, I think right now, the salaries are still super healthy, very livable. Um, I don't think that they're gonna go down, but they may pause their increases for a season.
0: Thanks, Jenny Ray. All right, Edward, a networking question for you. How does networking invite interview invite decisions? Do firms keep an active list of applicants and make notes after each interaction, or do they just rely on referrals and interview candidates?
3: This is a great question. So let me just break it down into two parts. So first is talking about do they keep notes of referrals and how referrals work? And then second is how notes are taken account of through the recruitment process. So first is um, referrals. They are one of um, the best ways to improve your chances of getting an interview. Certainly in my case, uh, when I was applying for the firm, because I had reached out to someone in the office I was interested in applying for, had a coffee with them, they determined during that meet that I was a good fit and they were willing to Put my application in front of HR, that made a big difference in getting me over the line for an interview because I came from a non target school. And the truth is that these big consulting firms are really worried because they have incredibly high turnover. So they're worried that they're not going to have enough great brilliant people to apply for the year that's coming and after that and after that. So they rely on their own internal networks to help bolster the interview pipeline. And if someone within the firm that has a good reputation is willing to back you in, that really helps you get through what i call is the black box stage of the application process is where you've submitted your cv and application and you're waiting to hear back if you get an interview so can referrals help absolutely and where can you find out how to uh do your best in this referral process on the management consultant platform. We have um, loads of information about the referral process. We talk about it in um, some of our online seminars as well. We have quite a structured approach for um, networking and to get that all-important referral. Now, second was about do the firms keep notes during the interview process or host your application? And yes, they do. So in my case, when I was applying to McKinsey, um, after I had been accepted for an interview, I was given a buddy, an interview buddy that was someone at my level in the country that I was applying for, who was there to answer any questions that I had and to do practice interviews with me. So in that case, it was another business analyst in the Sydney office, who was there to um, answer any questions I had, check in on me and then do some practice interviews. Now, what I didn't realize is that that buddy was actually sharing notes on each of those interactions back with HR so that they could get comfortable with um, the types of kind of um, conversations I was having. Additionally, that kind of Google Doc they kept was shared with any other person in the firm who had something to do with me during that interview process, whether that was me being introduced to someone else in the Perth office or whether there was someone else um, uh, who was interviewing me, they could all make these contributions to my kind of candidate profile, which all added up to the final decision. Um, Jenny, anything else that you'd want to kind of comment about uh, the referral process or how these firms might keep notes on applicants?
2: I think, I think you covered it. Maybe the only piece that wasn't, wasn't super clear is like, what about before applying? Like, is, are there notes on you? And I would say that in general, there are no notes unless you're going through a target school. If you're going through a target school, then often um, the firms will take a resume book at the very beginning of the process, and they will keep notes as different people discuss with you so that they can kind of um, prioritize track, track competitors, right? Like if you're trying to interview with McKinsey, but you're also looking at Bain, they're gonna try to get some Intel on where you are with different firms. Um, and so uh, the firms really think about people as their competitive advantage. And so they go pretty hard on that, but it is it is a different process. There is more kind of recording and note-taking on you if you're at a target firm than if you're not. Right. Um, Edward, there was um, a second question that popped up in the chat. Did you see that one? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
3: I've got it in front of me. Thanks for asking that, Kirsty. Um, so, in terms of how did can, I know? And this can girl, you just and, yeah, can you just restate the question? Just so oh yes, sorry. So it. the question was um, at Edward. When you say you reached out to someone in the office, how did you know them? Um, so this was actually a contact of um, my now wife. Um, who met this particular member of the firm um, just through a kind of networking event she was doing um, separate to my kind of application process. Um, And what is true of applying to any of these big firms is broadly, um, once you know which office you would like to apply for, Go through your networks, whether that is your school alumni or whether it's your previous workplaces, and see if you have any connections into that specific office with um, someone in that team who is willing to have that conversation with you. It's an initial 15-minute coffee chat or a 15-minute phone call, and that can actually be the difference between having someone on the inside willing to back you in.
0: Really helpful, both of you. Uh, let's stick to networking here. We've got uh, one or two more questions on that. Um, how important is networking for an office that you are not native to? So, uh, this person, this anonymous person is looking to move to Singapore. I assume they are in a different country. Um, so, how important is networking for for offices where where you're not uh, a local?
2: So. It doesn't really matter whether you're local or not. Networking is all important. Um, And the only exception, again, is if you are going through a target school program, like I went to Columbia Business School. So at Columbia Business School, um, I didn't necessarily have to network with people in my local office because if I passed my first round, generally they were going to put me into the office that I was the most interested in. Um, however, it definitely gives you intel and insight that helps you pass your first round uh, when you can speak about the specific experience in a firm, about why you want to work in an office. It's a better story. Um, it's more compelling. Um, and so uh, if you are going through um, even target school recruiting, I think it's an advantage to network. Um, it, is, it is the only way really effectively to get into an office if you're not going through a target program um, is through networking. And and you must network with that local office. Like networking with somebody in Dubai is not gonna give you the same panache that you would have if you networked with somebody directly in Singapore. So um, if you're trying to get excused from networking, you're really gonna do yourself a disservice in the process because you have the opportunity to learn um, you have the opportunity to practice your, you know, presentation in a low stakes environment, and you also um, have the opportunity to gain an advantage. And I would not uh, forego any of those opportunities if I were you.
3: Yeah, I would even just say um, I'm uh, not opposed at all to. Um, the relatively low risk but high reward outcome of a cold call LinkedIn message to someone in a company in an office that you might be interested in, um, purely just approaching it from a point of curiosity to hear about what that particular firm is like and that particular office's culture. And what that does is it helps confirm for you if you are interested in that office, but also it's so helpful in understanding more about that specific environment and actually borrowing some of the language that that person uses to describe the culture and the environment and what makes it exciting and fun into your cover letters. And that can make a big difference when the local HR manager is reading an application in the language that people in that office use to describe that office as well.
0: And I think that's really insightful, especially the tip about uh, you know, referencing what you learned from your networking conversations in your cover letter. Uh, it makes it more personal. It shows the firm that you're 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 taking it seriously. You're doing your du- du-
3: du- due diligence in the process. Oh, hundred percent and um and talk about an easy way to display that you are a good fit if you are already communicating in the exact same way and language that the people in that office already talk talk to.
0: Exactly. We'll be right back after this quick message. There's only one true way to build consulting skills, and that's to work on a consulting project. Makes sense, right? If you want to add killer experience to your resume and prepare for life in consulting, join the next strategy sprint taking place November 4th through the 10th, 2023. What is strategy sprint? It's a one week virtual consulting project where you work in a team of six Directed by an MBB consultant to solve a strategic problem for a real world business. We're running an early bird special. If you join Strategy Sprint between September 29th and October 6th, 2023, you'll receive an early bird discount. Click the link in this episode's show notes to learn more and to join. There are limited spots available in Strategy Sprint, and we'd love to have you join. All right, uh, Jenny Ray, is there an age limit? For entry to consulting um you know it, do different her- firms have a quote unquote you know maximum age or uh, how does that
2: work? It is super uh, super easy to feel like there is but it but in reality the answer is no. Um, there are many more opportunities the younger you are. There are um, opportunities as a, to join as an analyst or um, as a kind of general consultant, especially in your first eight years of work. If you're past your first eight years of work, then there are still opportunities for you, but they kind of fall into two different categories, so it's a little harder to diagnose where to fit. Uh, the first is the client-facing side. And in those kinds of roles, you really need to have a combination of analytical experience and project management because you're coming in at a manager or a partner role, which has a sales and management function, but you have to manage analysts. So you have to have like, you know, you can't just kind of come in and be like, I want to manage a team, but have no idea how they would do the analysis or have no idea how they would do everything. So you kind of have to have gone up through a parallel process in another firm, whether it's a different kind of consulting firm or whether it's uh, in industry. If you've not spent a lot of time doing data and presenting, um, then it's probably a better fit for you to enter in through the expert or the back office track of the firms. Um, A lot of the firms have really heavy research arms. Um, Many of you that have advanced degrees can fit really great in these areas. Um, They used to have the advantage of less travel. Actually, a lot of consulting has moved to lower travel now, but... um, But uh, a lot of those roles are not client-facing. They don't have the same kind of tiering and positions. And the firms publish all of them on their websites when they're open, but it can still be helpful to work with people internally to really understand the day-to-day and how you would fit. So we see people in their 50s and even 60s entering uh, consulting firms. It's certainly not impossible. It just becomes more challenging to feel where you can fit. So we're happy to help with that on a case-by-case basis. Also, a lot of y'all are asking these like very nice questions that are so general that they would be helpful to anybody. But we're very happy. Just I just want to make sure that you know this um now and on future calls to answer like your specific situation. If you're like, you know, going back to the Singapore question. Hey, I um live in this country and I want to go to Singapore and I'm at this level. Like, how do I do it? We will answer those specific questions for you. So don't feel like you have to make these general and helpful for everybody. We really want to be helpful for you. You're taking your time to come. We want them to be really specifically targeted.
0: Absolutely. All right, moving on. Uh, All right, someone, all right. Anonymous has a diverse background in investment banking and nonprofits. Uh, How can they position themselves in the networking and application process?
3: So um, um I think and I'm assuming that this anonymous person is looking specifically to pivot into consulting um I think that this person has a fantastic background for consulting um and just to explain why um so when you come into consulting there's really two camps of people in my opinion there's those who are from kind of a core consulting background and i'll put those people who did business or finance or commerce and then you've got people who came from a non-business background people who did law arts uh even things like education or music or um and liberal arts. And the big advantage that people who come from not only a commerce background, but an investment banking background is that, one, they're usually quite comfortable with Excel They're very comfortable with the language of business and simple, well, relatively simple things like understanding the common financial statements, um, how to build a model, um, and then also just appreciating the Ace and the challenge of client service or professional client services and the kind of hours and the demand that comes from that. So I think that this person um, has this great big tick in the investment banking side and has these really great core skills. But how I would sell myself if I had both um, investment banking and not-for-profit is that not-for-profit actually touches on the qualitative and economic side of consulting, looking at the bigger picture, often dealing with non-business stakeholders to get a preferred outcome. So when you are selling yourself or kind of promoting yourself in your cover letter, I would talk about you have fantastic or foundational skills of a, a, of a business analyst or an associate, but um, you can actually work with and engage with governments, um, not-for-profits, or even um, kind of large education providers or universities because you have that unique background and that's something that people who come from purely a commercial or a corporate background simply don't have and people don't realize how much of consulting's work comes from the government from not-for-profit or from the education sector
0: thanks edward really helpful there Um, Well, sticking with kind of uh, experienced professionals here, uh, we've got Cody, who is in a professional MBA program, uh, like an evening MBA program. Twelve years of experience. Uh, He's self-employed and uh, wants to know what channels that he should be using to to break into consulting, specifically um, full time, uh, to to avoid. needing to to wait for an internship role. Um, Edward, do you want to start with that one?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to jump in on this one. Um, so um, I think number one is working out um, your networking strategy. So if I think about that, I would be looking in a couple places. So you're doing an evening MBA. And the best thing I'm, I'm assuming here that you're based in North America um, is that uh, North American schools just have fantastic alumni offices and people who are really kind of quite proud of their alumni connection. Um, and this is such an underutilized resource. So, kind of tapping into the alumni office or on LinkedIn, seeing people who have gone to the same school or program as you and seeing which Uh, companies that they, like management consulting companies that they have ended up at. So that can kind of be your first touch out. Um, You're kind of building up that network and that approach. Um, I think then second, if you have been um, working with your own Um, doing your own company, I would really look into what industries that company um, has been based in or providing services to. um, And just looking for different firms with specializations in the industries where you are most proficient, because then you'll be selling yourself not only as someone with a great business background, thanks to your evening MBA, but as someone who has expertise in a specific um, subject matter. Um, I'll touch on, I'll, I'll leave it for those two points so that they're kind of networking and then how to sell yourself. I might pass to Jenny to kind of round out this answer.
2: Sure. Yeah, I look, I think um, Ed's exactly right. It, it's going to be through networking. And whenever you're working full-time, whether it's self-employed or not, um, especially going through a professional MBA program, it really just doesn't make sense to do internships. Internships are really only available for undergrads in their penultimate year, like going into their junior year, or um, or you know, folks that are in their first year MBA. And really, they're just a ploy in full time target programs for them to sneak in and grab talent before other firms have the chance to do that. So um, it's not so that they can try you on for size. It's just like an early, it's an early action for the firms. Um, So you're right in thinking that you want full time, you're right in thinking that they would want you for full time. That's where you can match up. Um, The biggest issue is just aligning your timelines for when they're hiring. And that's going to be like Edward said, you know, through networking primarily based on your specific offices. Um, and you should tell them, I'm thinking about applying X and let them tell you that that's wrong. I think the, the only thing I just want to add to what Edward said is just go in with a hypothesis. Like don't, don't ask open-ended questions when you're networking because it's sometimes hard for people who aren't full-time career networking, recruiting people to answer those questions. Um, just tell them like, I'm thinking about doing this. And if you're going really off or super wrong, or if they don't know the answer, they can answer specifically related to that. It's
0: great advice. Yeah. Well, all right. So, what are what are the factors that matter in choosing MBB office locations to apply for? Um, and there's a a few specific asks here. Could you please discuss skills, a candidate's relevance to this, to that office's industries, and the ability to be illegally allowed to work in that location?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you want me to take this one? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, I'll do the last one first. So you have to be able to be legally allowed or be sponsored. Um, The firms do sponsor um, from target schools, generally don't from without. So if you're trying to apply um, just generally, the only exception to that would be if you go through DEI channels. Um, so like last week, I was at National Black MBA um, for folks that don't come from Target schools, but are going through the Black Recruiting DEI channel at a lot of the firms, they would be open to sponsoring. Um, so I think that's an important thing to note in the first place. There are some places that sponsor from internationally anyhow, like Dubai is an office that often we'll see will sponsor folks that come from other places um, you know, uh, so it's certainly a question that you can ask, but I would ask it second, not first. Um, the more important question is the other piece that you uh, Asked, which was around the skills and in the industries, and um, it, what you're looking for is at any place where you can get a call with somebody, right? So, um, if they, if you come from the, a healthcare background and the firm skews healthcare in their New Jersey office, but banking in their New York office, you might want to skew toward a healthcare um, practitioner, somebody in the manager or partner level who has identified themselves as somebody who's worked in healthcare, um, and you can let them know that you're you have an interest in consulting and come from a background of healthcare. Um, The the one thing that I just do want to mention related to industries is that they don't hire you because you're an expert, unless you have like 12 to 15 plus years of experience. Um, They hire you because you've demonstrated an interest in that space. So sometimes people get the two confused, and they come in and they're like, "I can do this for you, and I know this," and and that kind of comes across wrong inside the firm. Rather, the positioning is, "I am really interested in healthcare. I've spent 15 years there. I love this about it. However, I want to move into an advisory role in the healthcare space." So, um, just coming in a little bit more gentle works. Uh, On the skills, um, the skills don't matter based on different offices. They aren't going to require more coding or less coding in certain offices or more Excel or less Excel in other offices. So um, skills are really not a super relevant differentiator between offices. So to answer that question in the three parts, Legally, it's great to kind of self-identify for places where you think it's you're the most likely to get hired, but you can try anywhere. Um, just have a good conversation with somebody first, ask them to refer you, and then ask the question. Um, then uh, for industries, it's great to match up, and you should actually move offices based on where you have the warmest reception, and industry can be a good hub for that. Skills, though, are not a great place to engage in the networking process.
0: Makes a lot of sense. All right. Sticking a little bit on this theme here. Uh, what are the, the prospects for uh, for international student hiring? Uh, Gabija ha- has noticed that more and more companies specify not hiring students with a CPT or OPT de- design- designation, and uh, they're just curious uh, on the outlook for, for international student uh, roles.
2: I can, I can take that. In the US, it's not great. Um, I, I actually asked that question everywhere that I worked for, with um, for uh, at, at the conference last week. Um, and the answer was basically like, it has to be for a role that we feel like we can't fill. Um, Inside the US and as people shrink their hiring rosters, they have fewer roles that are available. We will be presenting employer panels starting in Q4, where we will have them specifically share with y'all whether they are or are not hiring and for which visas they're interested in sponsoring. So um, I, I think that many of you probably found out about this from our email list. But if you came in from LinkedIn and aren't yet on an email list for notifications, um, I know Javeth will put that in the chat. So please just make sure that you're registered with us so you can get notifications about that. Because as we bring employers to you, we do want you to know who is and isn't um, interested in hiring. But but I would say it's it's fairly bleak, but not impossible. We do have a um, hiring database of firms that have hired um internationals and what visas they've hired for that is available you can go to the footer the bottom part of any part of our website and that international database is available it's for free you can look up um, the firms that have hired in and out of consulting as well java another couple of questions in the chat and i think edward's handling a few of those any that you think we should bring no. up um and and then i think we should just spend the last five minutes on a live question or two
0: sounds great Yes. Um, Edward, do you mind speaking to the uh, kind of interviewing time timeline for consulting internships? Uh, Brooke is is asking about uh, she just recently applied for 2020 for internship and curious what the kind of uh, the timeline is for that.
3: Yes. Um, sorry, Jenny, I might have to pass to you on, on this one because um, I assume it's for the U.S. internships and I'm not not 100 percent familiar.
2: Yeah. Um, so, so you're, um uh, uh James, you're asking about Kara's question, which, okay, hold on. Let me just go up and make sure i got it on here. Oh, there we go. Recently apply for, um, for the summer 2024 internships with the typical interviewing timeline for internships. Um, it will be done by the end of October. Um, and unfortunately, there is no typical timeline. Um, typical used to be like, you know, the, the um, spring of your junior year, like two months before the summer. Um, and it has moved so far back. It's almost a whole year earlier than that now. But um, but yeah, I, I would say that the, t- the typical interviewing timeline is immediately. So it, it'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. And you'll have maybe one to maximum two weeks once they invite you to the interview to get ready for it. So if you haven't already started prepping, I'd encourage you to do um, at least some of your own pre-work on that.
0: Great. All right, let's take one more and then we'll, uh, we'll have some folks unmute. All right, uh, uh ca- man, I'm gonna butcher the name, C- cow <laughs> uh, How do you navigate the uh role pro role progression requirements within job descriptions when your company has a flat uh lateral structure, but roles are more experienced, but roles are more experience based with a lot of project management. So maybe you don't have uh you haven't formally. Received a promotion every two years, but you've you progressed just based on experience.
2: Yeah, uh, nobody cares. Um, they'll, they'll ask you about your comp, but they're really just trying to figure out where you fit inside their organization. So you tell them um, when you're interviewing, you tell them when you apply, what role you're applying for. So we do that in the cover letter, you do that in the application, and you'll do that when you're networking with people. So tell them where you think you fit. Um, and I'll always shoot high right like I think I'm thinking I'm a manager you're going to get paid more as a manager so like shoot high if you feel like your experience is commensurate with that and then you'll interview for and have to prove yourself for that level um, but that that would be my recommendation is that you you have to translate for a lot of these organizations where you came from Um, that's part of your responsibility but you can do that in a way that is favorable to yourself and I would always encourage people to do that there's right. there a I, let me just answer that with one second little teeny piece. There's this common misconception that like consulting is hard to get into so you should go humble like you should go low, right um, and you should come in and be like, look I'll, I'll do any I'll clean toilets like I'll do whatever I need to do um but but in reality, the people that they hire, the people who come in and own their experience and say like, I, this is where I think I fit. I don't know if I'm right, um, but this is where I think I fit and this is how I think I could add value. And um, they do it in a way that is humble, but confident. And so um, just make sure that your humility is not um, actually downgrading or downplaying the actual experience that you do have.
0: Love that. Folks, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your 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 Tuesday or your Wednesday, uh, depending on where you're in the world. I know Edward it's a, it's a different day than here in the U S. Um, uh, again, we'll, we're, we're doing these kind of office hours every single Tuesday. Um, make sure you're on our email list, uh, for that check out our website where you can, uh, you can register, um, for those, but we'll be here every Tuesday at, uh, 12 PM Eastern 9 AM Pacific to answer, uh, answer your questions and, uh, reach out to us team at managementconsultant.com. if there's anything that uh, we weren't able to answer today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strategy Simplified. I hope you enjoyed this special edition from our Extreme Consulting Makeovers Q&A. There's a link in the show notes where you can register not only to attend the future Q&As having Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, but also to apply to have your resume workshop in front of a live audience. You'll get Really insightful and critical feedback to help you optimize your resume and your profile for consulting applications. I really look forward to receiving your application again. Links in the show notes for all of this. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll catch you again next week.